you never think about light so deeply until the power goes off. And then you think about it. And you never think about life so deeply until someone dies. And then you think about it. And you never think about words so deeply until someone cuts you off. And words matter. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He, John, was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. And the word became flesh and dwelled among us and we beheld his glory the glory of the one and only son from the father full of grace and truth so to begin 2018 together i want to look at two things from this passage who christ is And how we can respond to Christ. Who he is and how we respond. Who is Christ? John has given us the, like the really important things about who Jesus is. Who is Christ? Well, Christ we learn is word, life, and light from God to us. Word, light, and life from God to us. And it all starts with these words. In the beginning. Do you see that in verse 1? In the beginning was the Word. Now, that's not where I want to start with you this morning. I want to start with these words. In the beginning. Do those words uh, strike a chord with you? Do you remember any other passage that begins with in the beginning? Yes, you would go all the way back to the very first three, four words of in the beginning. Four words of your Bible Genesis 1-1, which says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
And what we learn is that God declared by word, very important word, remember in the beginning was the word, God used word to create everything is. Let there be light, he said, and it was. And let this be this, and let that be the other. And, and God spoke, and it was so, and spoke the rest of the creation into being. And our passage, John 1, 1, says, In the beginning, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and All things were made, just like I just read in Genesis 1, all things were made through him. Don't you think that it's interesting that Christ is called the Word and immediately is the one who is attributed to this spoken power of creation by word and declaration that we read about in Genesis 1? But back in Genesis 1... In verse 26, we get to the the pinnacle of God speaking creation into being. Come, God says, come let us, come let us make man in our image. Did he just say, did Joseph just say us? Wait a minute. That would mean that there is more than one person in God. That would mean like the Trinity. Isn't it interesting that in Genesis 1.26, God doesn't say, come let me... Make man in my image. He says, come let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And there was man in the image of God. And there was life and light from God. And it was an incredible life. There was no sin. It was love. It was intimacy. It was light. It was everything that humanity was made to be. And it absolutely filled the soul of the first humans but then there was rebellion i won't go into all the scriptures it's genesis 3 and fall and curses in the day you eat of the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden in the day you eat of it you will surely die And that's when the light went out. And that's when communication, word, was cut off in the way word had been so freely been given. That's when life carried within itself death for the first time. That is when human beings became broken beings in need of wholeness from God again. By the way, can I just do a little aside here? Because I like to point out why Christianity makes sense out in the world of ideas. This is why our faith makes sense out of something that all of us observe. Why? How can people be so beautiful and intelligent and so self-centered and destructive? How does that work? Well, you know what? We, 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 we have it right there in Genesis because people, me and you, we are made in God's very image and we are beautiful because we're made in the image of God. We are intelligent because we're made in the image of God, etc. But 
we are also fallen from God and we are selfish and, and destructive. These go together. And you got to understand, they don't go together in every system. Either there's like this, we are the world kind of platitudes about humanity where humanity's nothing but beautiful and we deny original sin that human beings are selfish by nature. That's one side. Or some of them say, well, human beings are just nothing but sin and they're not beautiful. We see both. Love Christianity because it actually explains the world according to the way it really is. Let us make man in our image and in the likeness of God. He created them. Male and female, he created them. And then there's fall and then there's, then there's curses. In the day you eat of it, you will surely die. But what is so amazing is this. While God is right in the middle of delivering the tough news about their new fallen lives outside of the Garden of Eden and outside of his immediate spatial presence, while he is delivering the curses, his heart just bursts forth with love and grace and mercy, y'all, I'm talking about in the middle of the curses, in the middle of his follow-through, because of his holiness, in Genesis 3.15, you might want to write that down, you can read it later. Genesis 3.15, he promises a Savior. There's going to be one born of the woman, of a woman, who's going to reverse this curse, going to crush the head of Satan, the, the, the enemy, uh, going to turn the light back on. And restore us to God and restore us to life, real life that is light. It's the first mention of the Christ who would come in the Bible, Genesis 3.15. So, let's go back to John 1.1. This is an introductory sermon after all. I'll tell you what John 1, 1, these verses in John 1, 1 are what's called the prologue, the first part of John's gospel. I'll tell you what, John 1, we'll just call it John 1. What John 1 is, is John 1 is the story of how Genesis 3.15 actually happened. That's what's so amazing about John chapter 1. It's the story, after all the waiting, of how Genesis 3.15 actually came into space and time. It's the big picture of who Jesus is, why he came into the world, and it all comes down to the 14th verse where it says this, And the Word, who was with God, who was God, who created everything, the Word became flesh, became one of us, and lived, dwelt, literally tabernacled among us. And we saw his glory, the glory of the one and only, sent from the Father, full of grace and truth. It happened. In Hebrews 1.1, we read this, as, as the word was certainly cut off in the terms of salvation, but there, was, there were words in the Old Testament from God. There were promises and there were prophecies and we read in Hebrews 1.1, Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers the words by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by sending us his son. Some people call Jesus the final word 
from God, the final communication. And this isn't just suggesting facts. This is the one who came and he was the facts. And he lived the facts as he spoke the facts about himself and the kingdom of God. The word became one of us to save us. And not just the word, but do you see in the text, but also life and light came into the world through Jesus Christ to restore us to a real life of light. And the meaning of this text is that the the restoration that comes through the word becoming flesh is a different kind of life that we get to grow into and grow more and more into. It's a, it's a light of light of God. It's what God wants you and me to have. Verse 4, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. One scholar translates, the life was light to live by. So, first, who Jesus is. The word life and light sent from God to us to connect us to God. That's the first thing that's big in John 1, who Jesus is. But then the the second thing, the final thing, don't think this is like three minutes from finishing, but the final thing is how do we respond to who Jesus is? How do we respond to who he really is? You see... Because then there's us. And we have to be honest about us to know how we respond to word, life, and light. Basically, you and I don't deserve this. The Bible says several things about us. The Bible says that we naturally are dead in our transgressions and sins and unable to come to God on our own. We're dead. Dead people are unable. The Bible says that we are at enmity with God naturally. I mean, look, we're either in some kind of way, maybe even a minor way at times, cursing God or playing God to get what we want. The Bible says that We, I'm talking about beautiful people and made in the image of God who are intelligent, that we are enemies of God. There's a part of us that hates God and his authority, hates God, enemies of God. But here's the thing. All that being said, God loved us. I'm talking about the enemies. I'm talking about the enmity. You know, God loved us. God came here for us. God left a place that was like infinitely greater than a TripAdvisor five-star rated resort, palace, infinitely greater. And God came here. You know, I, I, was, I like to read different versions of the, the text that, that you preach through. So I was reading... And I have like 14 versions that I can read. And so I was reading through all the versions of John 1. And I was struck by uh, the the message and kind of cracked up by it a little bit, actually. And as Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, verse 14, he says this. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love that. 
The one, the, you know, the, the one who was with God, who was God, the second person of God. Come, let us make man in our image. You know, the one who's God, the one who created the world. He moved into our neighborhood. He, he came to identify with me and you, even though we're enemies. He loved me and you. He moved into our hood <laughs> to give us that life of light. But I think we really, maybe we get that. You know, maybe you've been either a believer for quite some time, or maybe you like grew up in the church. You're not quite sure what to Jesus do with Jesus, rather deep down. But you're, you've got this Christian construct, and so you kind of get that that those layers of facts, so to speak. But you and I need to go a little further in understanding who we are, just to see how amazing. John 1 really is. See, though we're helpless in the sense that we don't have the ability as being spiritually dead in the day you eat of this, you will die. We don't have that ability to save ourselves. We're not helpless in the sense that we're like pinned down and and can't move. No, the truth about you and me is that we choose death. Amen. We choose death. And Jesus came down for us when we were helping ourselves to death. We wallow in things that cannot give life. We are fully engaged right now. Even as believers, we struggle with this because we are still sinners. We are fully engaged in making our own lives right now, making our own lives, longing after and going after more and more of what we want in our lives, regardless of what God says and regardless of his word. We're beautiful. We're made in God's image, but but self at the center is what our real struggle is. It's mine, it's yours. We are filled with brokenness. And people filled with brokenness who cannot help themselves in the way that brings real wholeness, they are desperate down deep. And that is why the pursuit of anything and everything and people and stuff and combination of things in our lives, in people's lives around the globe right now, I'll tell you the purpose of it. It is to try to escape the brokenness that all of us feel, whether we'll admit it or not. So much of what we do as human beings is a desperate attempt to try to fix our brokenness, but try to jump out of our brokenness, escape our brokenness. But you know, the problem is, is is if we jump out of our brokenness and we're like, we're out of our brokenness, you know, we're going to try this for a while, but doggone, it's like a bungee cord. We get and it just snaps us right back up into our brokenness. And we say, that didn't work. And we try something else. Or this amount of that didn't work, so i got to try more. Or that person didn't work for me, so i got to try someone else. Or some combination of things and people. That is what human beings who are beautiful but fallen, who are broken, are doing. So it's not like we're just like helpless and pinned down 
some heroic people just waiting for God to read. No, we're choosing death. We're wallowing in it. And we are trying to escape our brokenness. That's us. That's us. Happy New Year. <laughs> I, I tell you, it, I, I thought of an illustration, and it terrified me as a child, but I'm still going to say it. Um, you might have to, like, counsel your child after this, but it, it's a lot like that, that really famous, horrifying sequence in the Disney animated movie from 1940 called Pinocchio. How many of y'all watched Pinocchio? Raise your hand. Okay, that's what I thought. That's good. So y'all going to be with me. Well, the boys, you know, Pinocchio wants to be a real boy. And uh, the boys want to go to a place called Pleasure Island. They've been told in Pleasure Island you get everything your heart desires. In Pleasure Island you go after it, you get it as much as you want. It doesn't cost anything. All day long you get what you want. It fills your life. In Pleasure Island, you'll be happy and fulfilled on Pleasure Island. So I'd like to read a little bit from you from a... uh, I actually watched this sequence, and it terrified me as an adult, uh, on YouTube. And then I found like a commentary. It's not a Christian commentary. It's like a film, you know, uh, you know, like commenting on film kind of commentary. uh, A website called Film Music Central. And this is, quote, Disturbing Disney number two. The truth of Pleasure Island in Pinocchio, which is the truth about us. Quote, Pleasure Island looks like the world's biggest amusement park. There's all the rides, there's a Ferris wheel, there's lots of food to eat. And above all the clamor where all the boys are brought over in a barge and they're let out, just let loose to enjoy Pleasure Island, above all the clamor is the repeated sound of voices saying, Help yourself, boys. It's all free. Everything is free. And Man, those boys are living it up. Anything you want. Have a pie. You know, Pinocchio likes eating a whole pie, like biting into a whole pie. I just saw this a few days ago. But in all the chaos, there's this evil person that's called the coachman. You know, he's the person that drives the coach. He's kind of in charge of Pleasure Island. Nobody notices when the coachman orders the gates to be shut and locked. After a short scene break, I'm still reading, we see that Pleasure Island is now deserted. All the rides are dark. The place is an utter mess And there are no boys anywhere. Jiminy Cricket, our hero. Jiminy Cricket slips through a crack in the fence to find the coachman and his minions loading crate after crate of donkeys back onto the same ferry used to take the boys to the island. What happens next is the first disturbing part of this scene. The coachman is screaming to see, it's, it's, it's talking to the donkeys and screening the donkeys to see if they are still capable of speech. Boys are turning into donkeys, and when they are fully donkeys, they are taken off the island. And so you find out whether they're ready to go off the island by asking, what is your name? And if you can still talk, they pitch you over 
in a holding area until you lose your speech and humanity altogether and become a donkey. And then you will be shipped out, crated up and shipped out, quote, to be sold as beasts of burden and to be tortured the rest of your life. But as we're watching this happen, this cute little donkey boy with a little sailor hat, he says, well, what is your name? And the little donkey now, boy now, donkey says, Alexander. Well, you can still talk. Yes, sir. I want to go home. I want to go back to my mama. He says, and he's thrown back into the the waiting area. And the coachman snaps at all of the boys still with voices. You boys had your fun, and now you're going to pay for it. It wasn't free. Now, Pinocchio and his friend have not turned into donkeys yet. They are somewhere on the island, we're not told, playing pool. And um, his friend suddenly, as he's just like, dissing this this notion of anyway i won't explain it all his his friend suddenly sprouts donkey ears and pinocchio is just and he is just struck by that and then he sprouts a donkey tail and and then his friend whose name is lampwick sees his face in a mirror and he just screams and he just falls apart and there is nothing anybody can do. And Pinocchio is watching in horror as the rest of his friend's body begins to change. And the really horrifying part I'm reading is when Lampton's hands clawing at Pinocchio for any kind of help turn into hooves before Pinocchio's terrified eyes. And then, at like, like a scene straight out of a horror movie, we see Lampwick's final change in silhouette on the wall. With the last cry of, Mama! Lampwick is forced down on all fours and begins frantically braying, kicking, and smashing everything in sight. It is horrifying fate to experience, but these are all young kids that are to be condemned to a lifetime of cruel torture and servitude. There's not even a glimmer of hope for these boys And the same fate nearly comes to Pinocchio as well. As he begins to change, he sprouts donkey ears, he sprouts a donkey tail, but fortunately Jimmy the Cricket finds Pinocchio in time so the pair can flee the island quickly enough for Pinocchio only to have donkey ears and a donkey tail. But this author finishes with this. Without a doubt, this is one of the most disturbing moments in all of Disney animation, not just because of Pinocchio's friend's terrified reaction to his transformation, but also because these hundreds of boys are left to a fate they chose to pursue with no hope for rescue. Now, why did I just spend seven minutes on Pinocchio? Because I'm trying to get you to see what we're actually like. I'm trying to get you to see what we're like. I'm trying to get you to see that we chose it. I'm trying to get you to see there is no hope spiritually without a rescuer. Because we are like Pinocchio in this way. We are seeking to live on Pleasure Island for whatever we want out of life until we make ourselves sick and eventually begin to turn into donkeys spiritually destined for, quote, torture and indentured servitude.
Folks, those things terrified me as a child. I'm not sure you want your child to watch Pinocchio. You're like, well, he doesn't have to now, does he? (laughs) Free counseling for children. (laughs) I I remember being utterly terrified watching this as a child. But you know, I only wish the reality of fallenness would terrify me and you more. Because this is real. This isn't animation. This is real. Folks, life without God is advertised as a fun park. And you just go after what you want. And if that doesn't work, just go after something else. Go after more. Go after more. It's all free. It's advertised as a fun park, but it's more like a mirage. It can be a a beautiful trap. And the more we stuff ourselves, the worse off we are inside. And life in America without God is death and donkey damnation in an amusement park. That's what it is. It's death in an amusement park. You never think about light so deeply until the power goes out. You never think about life so deeply until somebody's dead. You never think about words so deeply until you've been cut off from communication. The power is out spiritually. We are spiritually dead in our natural state. And we are cut off from being able to understand the truth about our God. And the truth about what he has done God is so good. He's so good, y'all. He, when we were enemies, died for the ungodly. He left heaven where he was with God and was God. He came into a world that he created And they did not recognize Him. He came to our rescue. He is so loving. Why would He love you? It's not because you're special. You're not. You're unique, but you're not special. You're fallen. You're broken. You're in such need of God and His grace. That's who we are. And God loved you and me and He... And He came here. He is mercy and grace. And He sought you and me out on our hell-bent pleasure island of our own making gone horribly wrong. And He freely gives us life and light and restoration. We read in the text... Some didn't recognize him. Verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, but the world that was made through him, the world did not know him. Maybe that's you. Maybe you just never understood. Maybe you've just never recognized who Jesus Christ is. Maybe you've never looked deeply enough about how your brokenness and your bungee cords really aren't working for you. Some just didn't recognize him. Some rejected him. Christ came and I said, no, thank you. I've got what I need with my religion. Verse 11, he came to his own, 
and his own did not receive him, maybe that's been you. I don't need to believe in Jesus. I don't need grace. I'll wait till I get out of college to believe in Jesus. I'm going to go to Pleasure Island for a while before I believe in Jesus. I'm going to reject Jesus. Some didn't recognize him. Some rejected him. But many received him. Verse 12. His own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Take that in. To my, me and you, the, the enemies. He gave the right, if you receive him, to become children of God who were born not of blood or the will of flesh or the will of man, but born of God. Children of God. Born again by God into a new resurrection life. Now this series is about the Jesus we need. It's all about the real Christ. Right out of the scriptures, I promise you, it will be nothing but the truth about him. And it will not be like some baloney on the Discovery Channel. Don't even think about it. Some baloney on PBS, that stuff is baloney. It literally takes me about three minutes watching that to say, that's not what the Bible says. This isn't some baloney of a Time magazine cover Jesus every year around Easter. No, that's baloney. That's false Jesus. This is the Jesus we need. And it's not some magic genie Jesus of our own making either. At the end of John's gospel, John says this in John twenty thirty one. This is the purpose, he says, of writing my my book quote these things are written so that you may believe that jesus is the christ the son of god and that by believing you may have life in his name that's the whole purpose of this book and our mission for the weeks to come should you choose to join us our mission will be to know him for who he is better and to learn how to enjoy real life of light in his name next week's message before we take communion from john 114 through 118 is entitled grace upon grace let's pray lord you are with god jesus you are the word you are God. You created. You were the agency, the agent of the Trinity. That all things were spoken by you, the Word. And you came down here to give us life that is light. If you've never put your trust in what Christ came down here to do, and to actually take my selfishness and sin upon himself and through his sacrifice on our behalf to remove this sin problem between us and God so that relationship is now available based on his work and not our good works. 
If you've never put your trust in Jesus and you'd like to have a relationship with God, just pray with me. Lord, I I see it. It's amazing. And I want to turn from everything that I've called Christianity and everything that I've called religion. I want to turn from myself and all my attempts to escape brokenness. And I want to turn to you, Jesus, and put my trust in what you've done for me. I want to receive you resurrected Christ into my life. Thank you that even now my sins are forgiven. Thank you that even now I have born of God. and Even now you are in my life. Lead me into the life that is light. Lead me into what is true satisfaction. Lord, I know that there will be ups and downs in this journey. But thank you that you are now with me. And Lord, there are many of us that have walked with you and we just need John 1 through 10 at this time in our lives. God, would you open up the truth about Christ not just to our minds, but to us in who we are? And would you open up that life? Would you cause different kinds of moving aways in our lives and moving towards you? And would you give us the power to do that, even as we ask you daily, even if that is a process, God, would you give us more of the life that is light? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.